book of Acts. Acts chapter chapter 1, verse 13 and verse 14. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 down to verse 4. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, 38, and verse 41. And we'll read those, those verses, and then I'll give you a quick review and bring the message for tonight. Acts chapter 1, verse 13, will list a group of men. And then in verse uh, 14, it tells you about these men, these all. Continue with one accord in prayer, supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his and with his brethren. And then in Acts chapter two, verse one, down to verse four, the Bible says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all filled with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were setting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues or languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 38 and verse 41. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and shall and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then, then, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful, so thankful tonight for the opportunity to be able to stand again in front of Berean Baptist Church, a people that I love, a people I want to be a blessing to. And Lord, I want to be very sensitive to the needs of, of my dear brothers and sisters tonight. And Father, I pray also if there's a lost person here tonight, I pray they'll be saved tonight. Because tomorrow may not come. So I pray for them tonight. Lord, again, I just want to be used. I just want to, to be a blessing to this dear, dear church. And Lord, I want to be a blessing to, to my, my brother that pastors here. And so, Lord, I hang my hands. And help me to say nothing more than what you would have me to say. And nothing less. Help me just say what you want me to say and, and give the invitation. And watch your wind blow upon 
the service tonight. Thank you. I sure love you. In Jesus' name, amen. A quick review, a very quick review. Um, we, we, we saw if the wind of God is going to blow upon an assembly. There's three things that has to take place. The first thing, there must be an openness of mind. The mind's got to be together, everybody. In the early church, everybody was in one accord. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word with boldness. So they, they had a oneness of mind. That's not the way it is in many churches across America today and around the world. People are fighting one another, fussing with one another, holding malice and all this stuff of one another. And as long as that kind of stuff takes place in the house of God, they will never be, the wind will never blow freely. Amen. And I'm glad it blowed here and I'm glad it blowed upon that deacon. Amen. And he got saved. That's what revival is all about. Uh, people getting right. But... I have found out if God's children will get right and stay right, and then you'll see people get saved. But as long as the church is not right with one another, you're not going to see you're not going to see God God's wind blowing upon the the loss and blowing upon the backslidden people. You're not going to see that because you want His people to be of oneness of mind, unity. Amen. Working together, not against each other. And then we, we saw last night that the early church had this oneness of mind. And then they had a oneness of heart. And their hearts was glued together. And then they had an obedience to the will of God. It was an obedient church. They wanted to obey the word of God. They, they heard the word of God preached with boldness. And they were obedient to it they they followed god's god's leadership as that wind blowed upon that early church and i call that preparation got to prepare got to sit down you and god maybe in your prayer closet and you got to say god prepare me and i am willing for you to work in my life and, and it, it, it's not, I, again, I read this book, and it was talking about not give me, give me stuff. But he, he, he emphasized again today, all through this book, you are to seek the face of God, not just the hand of God. Seems like the church today is wanting what we can get from God instead of what we can give to God. God is wanting us to seek his face. And that takes preparation. That takes you and me getting along and being honest with ourselves. And whatever the Holy Ghost shows us in our lives we, that, that shouldn't be in our lives, we say, God, help me. Help me to love you enough to, to get that out of my life and to seek you, and to seek your will, and to walk in your will. And then the second thing I want to deal with tonight is supplication. 
uh, preparation. They, they went up in that little room and, uh, in Jerusalem and they tarried there. But they prayed in that room. I want, to, I want you to look in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. We are told, listen to it, these all continued with one accord in prayer and, and supplication. Look in Acts 1, 14 again. These all continued in prayer and supplication. Prayer is rarely mentioned in the Word of God without an emphasis on continuance. Uh, Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, men ought always to pray and not to faint. I have heard preachers preach from that verse many, many times. And when they preach that verse, you know what they do? They deal with prayer in general. But, but, but you, can't, you can't do that and, and really preach the context of that verse. There's more to that verse than just prayer. And, and, and Jesus says more than just to pray. He says, I want you to always pray. That word always has been overlooked by commentators. When I, I 1,400 books on prayer... Uh, in my library, and I have read most of them, and and almost every one of them, when they deal with Acts one fourteen, they deal in general, and 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 we we got to get back to taking the whole verse, every word, and apply it to our lives. So let me show you something here. It says, men ought always. What does the word always mean? It means always. We are to be constantly under the influence of the wind of God. And as we are, that wind blows upon our life and blows all the mess out of our lives so that we can be in the influence of prayer all the time. God wants us not just when grandma is sick, not just when we, we need a job, not just when, when we're having troubles, not just when we are down in the dumps, but always we are to walk in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are to love him enough to talk to him about everything that we face in a day's time. And when you do that, you are seeking the face of God and not the hand of God. When you pray always, you are seeking the face of God, the consciousness of God, the awareness of God. And, you, and when you are conscious of him and aware of him and you love him, you will talk to him. And you will give him your entire life. And then I want you to notice it doesn't say always to pray. But notice what else it says. People are so discouraged right now. 
Even God's children are so discouraged. They're down in the dumps. They don't know what to do. We don't know what's going to happen uh, November uh, in November in this election. We don't know. And we all walk around. People are walking around all down in the mouth. And they are falling on the wayside like flies. And, 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 and it's bringing reproach upon the Lord. But let me tell you. If we're always praying, if we are walking with God all day long, always, always, all day long, we won't even think about fainting. We won't even think about quitting. Not if we walk in the conscience of God. Not if we're talking to God. Not if we're giving our burdens and casting our burdens upon God always, all day long. If we're doing that, we won't even think about giving up on our Father. Won't even think about it. Won't even think about it. And if we're going to be Bible believers, let's be Bible believers. And let's believe every every part of the verse and not just nitpick and pick what we like and what we don't like. And if we don't like it, we don't live by it. Oh, no. We are to keep the all, all the commandments of the Lord if we love him. Amen. John 14, 20 and 21. And then I want you to look in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Everyone in this room could quote that little verse. But, but do, we will, do we live by it, church? We quote Scripture, and boy, we just, we just poke out our chest, and we are so proud that we can quote Scripture. We don't need to just quote Scripture. We are to live Scripture. Amen. And the Bible says, pray without ceasing. And, and, and again, the, the modern um, theologians today seem like they don't deal with that. Pray without ceasing. Pray always. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Notice what this verse says. 1 Timothy 2, 8. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Preacher, everywhere. Church, everywhere. Why should we pray everywhere? Psalms 139, I quoted last night, because God's everywhere. We are, we are, we would not, we wouldn't walk in a room and not be gentle and friendly. I wouldn't walk in this room and wouldn't be friendly to you. I would speak to you. So we are to speak without ceasing. We are to pray always. And we are to pray everywhere because God is everywhere. Amen. He's everywhere. Let's not be rude to him. Let's notice him. Let's recognize him. Amen. And I'll tell you what it's going to do. The wind's going to blow. It's going to start blowing, and it's going to, you're going to see real Holy Ghost revival. Amen. If you just do what the book says. Prayer is not only an activity, but it's an attitude of life. If we would pray always and without ceasing, then our whole life should be one continual prayer, ever open to heaven for whatever God would say to us. God, 
here I am. Talk to me. Here's my question. Here's my question. Are you guilty of not doing this? This this little group over here, have you prayed always today? Have you recognized the presence of God and talked to him without ceasing today? Have you? You say, no, I haven't. I haven't. Well, you need to get that right. You need to say, Father, I'm sorry I overlooked you today. I'm sorry I got too busy to talk to you today. Forgive me. And then the wind will begin to blow. And then you'll fall in love again with God. Amen? And, and, but so many people imagine that prayer is the uh, overcoming of the reluctance of God to give, whereas in point of fact, prayer is the adjustment of our lives to God's will in order that he can give. Are you listening? Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? Bishop Lightfoot said this, It is not the moving of the lips but in, salv- but in the evaluation of the heart of God that the essence of prayer consists. Brilliant commentator. It, it is not the moving of the lips, but in the evaluation of the heart of God that the essence of prayer consists. I hear the lips move. God sees the lips. He hears a bunch of words comes out of our mouth. But what does he see in our hearts? What does he see in our minds? What does he see when he looks and tells you to do something? Does he see obedience to his will? Or does he just see your mouth moving? Wow. Powerful stuff, isn't it? Dr. Leon Morris remarks, It is not possible for us to spend all of our time with the words of prayer on our lips, but it is possible for us to be all our days in the spirit of prayer realizing our dependence upon God for all that we have and are realizing something of his presence with us wherever we may be and yielding ourselves continually to him for the doing of his will. Another brilliant man that walked with the Lord, that, that, that had a prayer life. These guys, they, they really, they didn't just preach it, they lived it. They lived it. They, they, they saturated their lives with this doctrine of prayer. And they, 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 they saturated their, their lives with a, a doctrine of pneumatology, the Holy Ghost. And, and, they, and they walked in the Spirit and they let the wind of God blow upon them and, and keep them clean on a, on a daily basis, on a 24-7 basis. 
That way they can just pray always. But if we have unconfessed sin in our lives, you're not going to want to pray without ceasing. If you're not in the will of of the Father, you're not going to want to pray always because we, we are guilty of not doing what he tells us to do. Hello? Can you look at Acts 1.14 again? Not only do we see a constancy in prayer, but there is a unity of prayer. They, they, they continued. They continued in prayer. I remember a story. It's one of the greatest stories that I tell. I'm a student of the revivals. I, I love I love to read about the about the awakenings, the four awakenings. Some some men said there was five great awakenings. I believe there was four. And 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 they 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 were they were great awakenings. I'm talking about millions of people got saved. Moving. People people would was just holding on to the pews to keep from, in their mind, keep, to keep from falling into the pits of hell. When, the, when Jonathan Edwards per, uh, preached the, the, the message of sinners in the hands of an angry God, and he stood there, and he had that message up to his eyes like this, and he read it word for word with someone holding a, a lantern next to it and he read the sermon word for word and they said that people was holding on to the pews to keep from falling into the pits of hell. We hear about that sermon but we don't hear about the preparation of that sermon. You need to read the history behind that sermon. He prayed and he fasted for, for days, and, and, and when he walked into that pulpit that night, he was saturated with the Holy Ghost of God, and the wind of God was blowing in such a way. It's one of the greatest sermons that has ever been preached by a human man. But it was because of the wind. As he preached that powerful book that is sharper than a two-edged sword. As he preached it like this, the wind began to blow upon those words. And those words went out into the pews, into the hearts and minds and souls of sinners and Christian people. And revival started and it called the Great Awakening. Then the second awakening, and the third, and the fourth. The greatest awakening in America, 1857. 1857. Told you about it some years ago. One man, the wind began to blow upon Jeremiah Lanfear's heart. And more it blowed, more that burden grew. And he wanted his, his town that he lived in, Manhattan, New York, a million people 
He wanted them to get saved. He got under so much conviction. Oh, he stood and he said, I'm going to have a prayer meeting at the Dutch Reformed Church at 12 o'clock noon. Would you come and pray with me? The wind was a blowing. He met. Three people met with him. Six months went by. 10,000 men in one location, Brother Reno. In one location, 10,000 men, it was estimated, was praying. The wind was a blowing. It was a blowing wind. People started getting saved. People started standing and testifying and confessing and all types of things happened. It went around the world, across the ocean, around the world. Lasted 40, the influence lasted 40 years. What happened? Look at New York today, it's a mess. It's a total mess. Like most cities in our country. At the end of one year, at the end of one year, recorded one million people had gotten saved. Yeah. You know why? One man had enough faith to trust God and let the wind of God blow upon his life to start a prayer meeting. And God blessed it. And one million people got saved. And I preached in that church that came, one of those churches that came out of that revival. And they had spider webs in it the morning I was there. All over the uh, mahogany wood had, had old spider webs, had old paint cans in the choir, had old stinky boxes of, of records and books and stuff in the, in the balcony. Yeah. The wind went blowing the day I was there. And I asked someone, I said, What happened? And the lady that was writing the history of that great revival was sitting there in front of me. And I said, what happened? And she said, they quit praying. When we quit praying, the wind of God is going to stop blowing. Amen? When we stop repairing and getting right with God, the wind is going to stop blowing. But if we start praying, and I mean, start preparing and getting prepared, and then, then start praying... And then start expecting. Expectation. We don't see much happen anymore because we don't expect much to happen anymore. We've got to expect something. These men, all, all four great awakenings, when they preached the gospel, they expected to see people get right with God. <laughs> 
And they expected something. Can I ask you tonight, what do you expect? What do you expect to happen? Do you expect something? I never stand to preach the gospel that I don't expect God to do something. And I know that the people sitting before me can quench the spirit. But I also know I can too. So everybody got to get prepared. I don't know why we wait until we come to the house of God to pray. Why can't we come to the house of God prayed up? Amen? Why can't we come already prepared, prayed up, expecting, and having enough faith to say, Father, I'm expecting something great tonight. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? I never give an imitation that I don't expect God's people to get right and for sinners to get saved. Standing in the foyer last night, you remember one of your deacons. I didn't know he was a deacon until Pastor told me. And he was just standing there looking at me. And I knew he wanted to talk to me. But I didn't want to get out of the line and to talk to him, so I just waited. And God walked up to me, and he said, Brother Beckham, I just wanted you to know I got saved this morning. That was yesterday. I thought I misunderstood him. And I said, what did you say? And he said, I got saved this morning. I wanted to say, aren't you a member here? And I wanted to say all that stuff, but I didn't. I just looked at him. I said, well, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. The wind blowed. The wind blowed upon him, and he swallowed his pride. Here he is a deacon. Here he is looked up to, and he swallowed that pride, and he gave his heart to Jesus. Amen? R.A. Torrey said in the 1800s that he believed that 90% of people that went to church in the 1800s, was lost people. Even Billy Graham had it up in the 90s. I wonder what it is today. E.J. Daniels had it in the 80s. Raven Hill had it in the 80s and 90s. Great men of God. Pull it up on Google and read it. List a whole list of preachers in their, in their thoughts about church people. 
What if everybody just got right with God? I, I just would love to see what God could do with a church that everyone was right with God. Wouldn't it be amazing? Would you love to see that? Yeah, I would. I would love to see it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for letting me see in my lifetime a spark here and a spark there of real revival. And Lord, I pray that I will never be the hindrance that keeps your wind from blowing in churches that I'm scheduled to preach in. Lord, I pray that I will keep my life prepared and clean and prayed up. And I pray that I will never walk into a pulpit not expecting you to do something. Lord, I love you. I love this church. I love Pastor Reno, his wife, his family. I've tried to do my best. through stuttering, killing words, not pronouncing them correctly. But Lord, I have tried to do my best. And now the, the last invitation for this year. All I know to do is Let my hands hang. Take my hands off of the invitation. Stand back. And allow you to blow your wind upon this invitation. And I pray if there's someone else like my dear brother, the deacon. If there's somebody else like that they'll be saved tonight or if there's someone that's struggling with unconfessed sin I pray the wind will blow in a mighty way make them so uncomfortable that they'll come to you I love you in Jesus name as we all stand